I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, supported by La Cold, here with Benji Nyson for the Giro d'Italia Stage 7 recap. This is from Notaresco to Termoli, 182 kilometers long. There's some hills in the middle of the stage, which we thought, oh, maybe there could be a problem. They weren't. Uh, it was a sprint stage. It's more the finish that we need to take note of with about three 90-degree turns in the last two kilometers and an uphill drag. There's even a 12% pinch with about oh, 1,200 meters to go. The three-kilometer rule and the three-second rule was applied today as if it was a sprint stage, but a tricky finish nonetheless. And we had Nitsolo, I think, but you, we said if Ewan was there, he might be the quickest man for the job breakaway went suicide pro conti breakaway for the sponsor exposure simon pello can be counted on as well as umberto Marengo and mark christian fiolo bardiani and <laughs> anything else of note from this stage benji Melier did a poop apparently is that right yeah yeah he did that and uh i think nothing really happened in like the first well everything except for the last 10 kilometers of the stage. But I did get the shocker in the middle of the stage because suddenly I heard someone say uh, on Twitter that there is a vague rumor that Nibali might be joining Eo Locomata, but we won't go into that now, but I was shocked. And uh, I got a heart attack halfway. Uh, but about the stage itself, I think that Pillow ended up taking that KYM and Kieti. It was pretty cool to see that climb, but that was kind of it. Outside of just Kieti being Kieti. Uh, and the intermediate sprints all went to the breakaway. They all took that. And it looked to be Thomas de Kent uh, pacing down Pelot. So that was interesting to see because, well, the two uh, most known breakaway adventurers out there on this planet chasing each other down is a, a pretty cool thing. But the fact that we need to go down such a rabbit hole to find content in the first part of the stage says a lot. <laughs> no, we can yeah. skip forward to 10 There's days nothing. to go. I think it's going to be a sprint stage. You yeah. and I think Sagan went for some intermediate sprint points on a hill, but they didn't do any damage for it or continue that action. So you and Nitsola, Viviani, Groneveg and Merlier not, not put under any pressure for this final at all. Far too far from the finish. Those hills in the end, despite Benji and I prognosticating far too long about them yesterday. And into the final we went. GC teams coming to the front, Ineos on the right-hand side, but it was Jumbo Visma on the left, trying to leave Groneveg in good position for that 12% kicker that I mentioned. It's straight after a right-hand turn. And it was actually two teams hitting it really late. So Lotto had been set up with five riders, their full lead-out complement quite early. They were on the back of the Yumbo Visma train. Then they moved up. Ewan was fourth. They had one guy sort of protecting his back wheel. And it was then Dries de Bont Benji with like a late big flyer at that right-hand corner, making sure they got Merlier and I think Krieger into good position. But it was Jasper de Boist leading out Ewan on that climb, Benji, and he wasn't going full de Boist, was he? He was kind of just trying to keep Ewan up the front. Like we said, they didn't do right on stage two. They did perfectly on stage five. 
it was the same again, Benji. Du Bois kind of keeping something in reserve, right? Yeah, it uh, it really felt like that. And while he was keeping that reserve to try and keep Ewan ahead of the of the curve, ahead of the others, we saw an attack on the other side of the road by an Aeolo Cometa rider. And I think Quinton Hedmonds was trying to follow that for a bit as well. But that attack awesome. didn't lead too far. And yes, Oz went also and countered that Aeolo Cometa rider towards the end of that 200-meter climb. Going to the corner at the top of the climb, they had a solid 20 meters, nothing more than that. And I think the Aeolo rider was taking uh, the front. And then later on, Oz tried to go past him, yeah. put in a bit of effort, but eventually that didn't really go anywhere. But this is important because this makes that Jasper is getting to that wheel, puts him in third position, out fast position to go into a, a pretty steep corner. And that corner does become decisive. At the back, you have Milano and Gaviria fighting for places, trying to get Gaviria in a good position. Gaviria tries to fly past on the left side of the road, try to get to the wheel of Ewan because he was a bit caught behind there. And during that moment, he thought, let's try and go back a few years and let's try and use an old tactic of my book, one that I used in the Giro before and one that I used in the Mallorcan challenges before. Let's try and attack early with about 400 meters to go. And And he did that on the left side of the road. Yes, as well. Correct. And Gavidia just went on the left side of the road. He launched early. He kind of surprised everybody, most likely. And who was left to take that up? It was Ewan that had to counter it, right? Well, Du Bois initially, that's the that's why it was such a good move from Gaviria because we've been saying Du Bois, Du Bois, Du Bois. He hits the front on that 12% kicker that's 200 meters long, and he's still on the front. He's still he's closing down the YOLO and Daniel Oss move for quite a long time, 30 seconds plus on the front. And then he's having to close down this Gaviria move. If Du Bois completely blows up at that point, maybe Gaviria wins this stage, bearing in mind Du Bois and Ewan, their plan was for Du Bois to just keep Ewan up the front until the last 600, 500, and then they were hoping another lead out came through Milano for Gaviria like he did on some of the other sprint stages, and then Du Bois would deposit Ewan on that train, fourth or fifth wheel, ideally. That didn't happen because of the Gaviria action. There were no other lead-out men. Du Bois was the last lead-out man. No Consoni, no Molano, who I think had been tangled up with Sagan, no Krieger for Alperson, Gronewegen and his lead-out were gone. So it's just all the sprinters there. No Bevan for Chimelai Benji that I could see, which is somewhat surprising, actually. That could have made the difference. So Ewan has to close Gaviria's attack all on his own. He's got Chimelai Merlier on his wheel. Sagan's quite deep. He tries to move up on the inside, on the right-hand barriers really quickly, dive-bombs that, but then the barrier squeezes him in and then he hits Pasqual on. Luckily, no crashes or anything, but that ruins Sagan's sprint. He has half a mechanical or something. He's out of contention. Ewan gets to the back wheel of Gaviria, goes from the hoods into the drops, and then says, see you later, kicks off out of that slipstream. Gaps Chimelai off the wheel. Merlier is then pretty much just having to choose between sitting on Chimelai's wheel or trying to close you and himself. But by then it's too late on this uphill rise, 2 3%. It looked like you in full aero position, just like on Hatter Dam. Today was maybe even more impressive, despite Bennett not being here because he had to close that gap himself. And he wins this stage by over two bike lengths. Really impressive from Caleb Ewan. Benji. I'll read out the top 10 before I get your take. Ewan, Chimelai, Merlier, Moschetti, Pasqualon, Gavidia, Gronewegen, Kanta, Fiorelli, Molano. So the notable absentees, Nizzolo and Viviani, 
nowhere to be found. But how did you see that sprint, Benji? Any other intricacies that I've missed out? I think those were the main ones. I think it was a very chaotic sprint as expected. We expected it to become chaotic and that the peloton would be lined up a bit on that 200 meter climb. I did think that climb had more influence than I perhaps anticipated towards the setup after it because that allowed for a bit of attacks. I didn't really anticipate anybody would take up that possibility of attacking, but apparently the Eola rider was pretty happy to do so and they got their uh, publicity for it. So he's probably pretty happy about it. But Honestly, I think that this finish by Ewan once again shows that once Ewan is in a good position, he's the strongest sprinter here, full stop. And that is quite Not even a good point. position, just an okay, if he just has a chance, because it yeah. wasn't perfect, right? Like it, it, Correct. he still had to close that gap. And do you think, do you think Lotto after that stage too, like had a discussion about, listen, let's just keep him top five wheels with 500 to go and then he can do the rest himself yeah perhaps perhaps they also tried that that time and it just completely fell but i don't think that was really the case i think that they just were not situated in a good position the first time around and the last two times they were able to place you in that position that he needed to be in and it seems to be working quite all right now and i think they've got one more sprint stage to try that out in the coming uh week stage 13 i'm not sure if there's anything before that is Foligno also one that is stage 13, I think. Can't remember. Anyway, that um, I'm guessing that they're going to try the same thing on that. Should we have stage. seen this coming? Should we have seen this? Uh, did we make a mistake underrating him even a bit yesterday, Benji? Maybe we're trying to be contrarian. Ewan was the favorite today. With him winning on Hatter Dam twice, did, did you think or did you maybe we didn't really see that 12% pinch as being as tough as it actually was because Ewan is so good at those short punches in the final K. Yeah, no, I think that we were looking at it differently. We were looking more at it. Is he going to be in the right position to pull this off? And I wasn't trusting the lotto train personally, like quite generally in this season, he's had, I think now three sprints of which he was positioned well and he won those three sprints, but he's lost way more than three sprints by not being in the right position and I didn't expect their consistency in the last few days to be a uh, 100% in the last two days. So, yeah, it seems like they found a way to do this, and it seems to be working. And if they pull the same stuff on the next sprint stage, he's going to be uh, the likely winner again. But, again, they need to be in a good position for that. So I think that's always the key point here. If Ewan is in a good position, he can win the race. If he's not in a good position, well, he can't. And I didn't expect him to be in a good position personally because I didn't trust the Lotto team to do so personally before we get on to the preview of tomorrow's stage i want to mention our show partner lacole they produce performance cycling apparel now you've already heard from us about their project aero collaboration with mclaren those new kits that have dropped well they have a strava challenge that is related to that project aero challenge if you join that strava challenge through lacole they're on strava then you and record 300 active minutes or complete a 100 mile, which is 160 Ks, I believe, in Australian units. If you rec- complete a 100 mile ride in under six hours, you'll go in for a two chances to win the complete Lacole McLaren Project Aero Collection, which is nothing to turn your nose up at. But if you're feeling like you want to just get some kit anyway, we have the special code for 20% off for the Lantern Roof Cycling Podcast listeners, all caps, LRCP2020, LRCP2020. 
zero. So go and check that kit out if you're interested. Tomorrow's stage, not a sprint stage. Stage eight from Foggia to Gartia San Framondi, 171 kilometers long. 4K, 6.3% in the first 35Ks, then an uncategorized climb with the bonus uh, Chiclamino points halfway up that. I think Sagan will have to go for that, I think, given he's missing out on a lot of points from today's stage. That's with 85Ks to go. Then they do the first categorized climb, Boca de la Selva, 20Ks, 4.6%. Descent of 30, 40Ks, then 3.1Ks, 6.6%. And just having a look at that actual final climb, it's pretty consistent, but levels off in the last 500 meters is 4.2%. My view, Benji, break. This is looking, if I said, we said 65-35 break for the Mater stage yesterday, this is looking 80-20 break to me. Just because that final climb, I don't see any steep pinches in it. It's so short, 3.1k, 6.5%. And then the middle climb is not steep at all. So I'm just seeing control, nothing for the GC men. And um, I don't think FDJ are going to be strong enough to control a break either to protect the Malia of Volta if that's what they want to do and don't put him in the break. So I'm going with Thomas Hent as my favorite to win this stage. That's a, that's a good pick. I think, indeed, it's very high up when it comes to breakaway. I looked at this the first time around. I said breakaway. I'm still agreeing on that. And uh, I'd even say it's a bit more than 80-20 because there's I just see no way that this goes to the peloton. I'd be really surprised. If this yeah. goes to the peloton, and maybe I think trek my names for Chikone. this, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Chicone doing a, an attack for uh, GC on the top, <laughs> and then in the descent trying to close down the breakaway with Betiol. But I don't think Chicone is the anymore. only person he's going to sleep tonight, looking at the parkour, being like, "I can win the Giro d'Italia on this stage, three k six percent, plenty to put enough time into Bernal." He's the only one thinking that. <laughs> Sorry, who's your pick? <laughs> I think my pick is going to stay the same as uh, as the one I said ages ago. I think I said Tratnik. I think that yeah, he's going to be in the shout. break for this. I think Fendrami is also going to be in the break of this. Those two riders seem to be perfect for this kind of finish. I recall that Chavez stage that he won in the Giro a few years ago, two years ago, where there was a hill at the end, where Vendrame was still at Androni and punctured on the last hill when Chavez rode away from the other contenders. And then... Whilst he was punctured, he got his puncture. Well, he didn't get his puncture back, but his tire was fixed. And he was able to crawl back. And I think he still ended like third on that stage, passing quite a few people uphill. So uh, ever since on the short, short, not so steep sections, I think 10% max, as you said earlier. Well, um, I think that it's not going to be too difficult. And I think that... Okay. Him and Trotnik are the names I'm looking to. I think that this is not really Bauke territory. I think that he could do it, but Needs he's got way up. better stages in the future that he can pull off easier than this one. This would be a really hard one to pull off for him, while there's other ones that I'd be looking more towards him. I'd expect... Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'd expect, to be honest, but uh, I'm not really expecting Moleban to be in the breakaway, but I'd be down for it, to be honest. Uh, I think that's mainly what I've got going for this stage. But I'd like to bring us back to one significant uh, two more names. thing at the end of today's stage. I've got two okay. more names quickly. I wish they'd send Narvaez in the break. He'd be Narvaez and Moscon, yeah. whew, lethal on this whew. sort of stage, as well as Mohoric. Maybe Maida gets in the break and he paces the, the long climb in the middle to repay the favour for Mohoric <laughs> in the final. Maybe Mohoric <laughs> I don't. I don't know how technical the descent is. 
but I'm expecting multiple Bahrain riders in the break. So agree with Benji's overall philosophy. But yes, Benji, there was some action in the last three Ks. Has anything come out on Twitter confirming it, yes or no? Uh, I'm not sure what you're actually uh, commenting about, but the Big thing Hugh that John. I was commenting about. What? Big Hugh John Carthy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what you're on about on Twitter, but the thing I wanted to talk about is that I think that a lot of people don't completely understand the three kilometer rule because i've seen a lot of people for example (laughs) say that let me explain it okay the three kilometer rule in cycling means that once you have a crash or a puncture in the last three kilometers your time is set to a a certain time in the front group so that you don't lose the time that you lose from the puncture or the crash the problem is that a lot of people think that that means that with 3k to go the gc riders can just sit up and let the group ride away no 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 if you get dropped without a puncture or a crash, then the time does count. So that's the significant thing. And that's the thing where we were looking at Yukafi dropping today. And we weren't like, okay, did he drop or did he have a puncture? But I'm guessing that he had a puncture because he was talking to the commissaire's car. And I'm guessing that they said to him, yeah, it's okay. You had a puncture or you had a mechanical. It's okay. You don't need to watch out. It's We're going to set your time all right. I think that's what happened there. Uh, and I, I checked the GC results, uh, and Garfi's he's, not seven decades behind. He's so. back up there now. PCS have corrected yep. it now. They initially, or the TV didn't have him. So wait, if you have a puncture, should you fall over? Like just fall to the side or not? You don't need to. <laughs> I don't think you need to do that. <laughs> okay. Just, Imagine, well. like like a few years ago, you had Pavel Bernas on an yeah, intersection yeah, yeah, pretending yeah. to crash because hungry. he didn't feel like riding anymore. He's in the, I yeah. forgot that. He's, he's in the press. The only funny thing on my highlight video for Hungary, which, you know, who was asking for that? But I'll put it up anyway because <laughs> that's what we do. But he was in the break into the Hungary stage too. That's who he is. Yeah, he's the CCC guy who just was like, I take a nap now. Oh, no. <laughs> Funniest shit. I've so ever if seen. he does that in the last three kilometers <laughs> and pretends to crash, then he gets a time with the peloton. That's <laughs> high IQ plays. Maybe he was doing that then. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's enough from today's stage. No GC action. Volta keeps the Malia Rosa. And does he keep it tomorrow, Benji? That's my uh, last point. Does Volta keep the Malia Rosa tomorrow? Or is someone in the break taking it? Or is he getting dropped by Avonapol in the sprint for bonus seconds? Probably not. He's got a good chance of keeping it. I think that, yeah, I think that he's got a good chance of keeping it on stage eight. I think stage nine is the one where I'm slightly getting trouble. But we'll talk about that at the end of tomorrow's stage. Okay, that's all from us today. Short and sweet, unlike this stage, and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 